0: Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and co-workers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Oh, you may be challenging me. No, Jim, there's other people that talk faster than you, that cover more in an hour. No way. We've got less commercials. We've got l- we we've got more talk, less commercials. This show is action packed from beginning to end, and today will be no different. Hey, thanks for tuning in to iWork for Him today. <laughs> I am your host, Jim Brangenberg, and I'm so grateful to be here. I want to thank you for tuning in all over the country on so many different platforms. I'm grateful for you tuning in, and i and just know that before the show, Martha and I. We prayed for you that something we say today would cause you to dig deeper into your faith and to connect in what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five. Hey, does the message of I work for him resonate with you every time you tune in? Are you intrigued by the stories and the ministries that you want to help connect your faith and work into one? The, these ministries that are focused on connecting your faith and your ministry into one. What's the biggest struggle in this battle of recognizing your workplace as your mission field? What is it that you're struggling with? Is it the support of the church? Have you reached out to your pastor, the pastor of your church, to talk to him about what you're hearing about on this radio program each and every day? Well, the Faith and Work Movement isn't a program. And a lot of pastors think we're trying to get them to add a program, but we're not. It's all about the equipping of the saints. And you and I need help. And Sunday morning is our place to go meet with other saints who are getting equipped so as we go out into our mission field, we're ready for the battle that we face, the battle for the souls of our coworkers and employees. The good news is, it's fact, well, we know what the good news is. The good news is that we don't have to earn our salvation on our own. We don't have to do anything. Jesus did all the work on the cross. We just need to put our faith and our trust in him. But the equipping, which the, the people that are part of the body of Christ that do the equipping are called pastors or shepherds. And there's now an organization put into place to help pastors of churches around this country to understand how to, to better understand the equipping of the saints to go out into the workplace and look at it as a mission field. Today we're talking with Luke Bobo. He's written a book, Discipleship with Monday in Mind, but he's part of an amazing organization called Made to Flourish. Luke Bobo, welcome to I Work for Him.
1: Thank you, Jim. I'm delighted to be with, to be with you and, and your listeners.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to get talking about your book because it was an excellent book. I read a ton of books. All year long, some of them are good, some of them are great, some of them are excellent. Yours was excellent, and here's why. It dealt with one of the biggest issues I see churches struggling with all day long, and it provided solutions, and that to me is super encouraging. So we're going to get to Luke's book, Discipleship of Monday in mind, in just a little bit, but I wanted to just step back a couple of steps and say, okay, Luke, what is the most significant way you've seen the Lord work in your life in this past year?
1: Well, I must say, Jim, uh, since my wife and I moved from St. Louis, Missouri to um, Shawnee, Kansas, and because uh, she worked in Missouri and we lived in Kansas, let, let me just say, we have paid uh, quite a bit in taxes. And we have seen the Lord provide at the ninth or the eleventh hour, uh, just providentially. And so we're just grateful. God is faithful to His word, and um, He delivers right on time.
0: Why do you think it is our Heavenly Father likes to? I, I, I heard in in the secular world, pressing midnight. You know, as as people are as as midnight is pressing in at eleven fifty nine. Why is it you think the Lord does that to us? Because it's pretty consistent in, in as the Lord provides. It's often pressing midnight.
1: Well, I, I think. Primarily to grow our faith and, and also to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can trust him, so that we will realize there's nothing we can do as human, finite, fragile human beings uh, to um, push his agenda.
0: I love that, and it is true. He just wants to take us, he wants to use that those experiences to shape us from who we are to who he can use more effectively. Speaking of using more effectively, how did the Lord reveal to you that our faith and our work should be totally interconnected, that there shouldn't be a, a segmentation of our faith and work? How did that get revealed to you?
1: Well, I suppose it goes all the way back to our time in St. Louis And I remember like it was yesterday, uh, the pastor stood up and said something like the following. He said, I have the most important job in the world. Now I thought about that. I didn't have the terminology or the categories to process that through, but I knew something was wrong about that statement because I thought about the homemakers. I thought about, at the time I was an engineer, I thought about the trash collector's it wasn't until I attended seminary and I heard all of life, discipleship, that the Lord wants to be Lord over every nook and cranny, as uh, Tom Nelson likes to say, the president of Made to Flourish. Christ wants to be Lord over every nook and cranny. And a big part of that nook and cranny is our Monday through Friday work. So. You might say it was a progression. It wasn't a one-time epiphany. It was a progression when I first heard that pastor say those words and then my matriculation at at the seminary.
0: We're talking today with Luke Bobo. He's with the organization called Made to Flourish. This is an organization everybody listening needs to br- draw to the attention of their pastor. Made to Flourish is how you find out about it. And Made to Flourish is an organization. Does well. I'm, why, I'm not going to tell it. Look, why don't you tell everybody what is Made to Flourish all about?
1: Okay, great question. So our tagline is um, a pastors' network for the common good. In other words, we want to give pastors a robust theology of faith, work, and economics, we want them to then implement that theology into the context of their corporate worship. And one way they can do that is by preparing their membership or closing the Sunday to Monday gap, is is how we like to say it. We want pastors to pass on this good theology, help their congregants understand how to put this into practice, and by so doing, we believe that uh, congregants who are infused or have this theology can work toward the human flourishing of all people, and that's what we mean by the common good.
0: Well, and I want to make sure we really dig deep into that stuff because human flourishing is, is a topic. We had Andy Crouch on the, on the air with us a couple of months ago, and, and he wrote an incredible book uh, on human flourishing, probably one of the best ones I've ever written, just read about that topic at an eighth grade level so we could all understand it. But I don't want to get too – well, because a, that's a complicated process and a complicated concept – but sure. uh, here's here's the way I announce it. We you know our work for is all about helping our listeners connect what they heard on Sunday with what they do in their nine to five because not everybody works Monday through Friday and some people work you know Monday through Saturday some people work you know eleven to three or, or excuse me eleven to seven or seven to three I mean everybody works different hours, but the concept that our work is significant to God and that. Our Sunday experience, if we get to go to church on Sunday or Saturday, whenever you get to go, is significant in helping equip us for that mission field that we've been sent to, regardless, no matter what that mission field may look like. How did the Made to Flourish movement come about? Because there's lots of faith and work uh, ministries out there ministering to people in their workplaces. But this one is specifically designed for pastors in their workplace.
1: Well, the Kerns. Um, the Kern Family Foundation approached uh, Tom Nelson b- about two years ago and said, "We would love for you to take this ball and run with it and Mr. Kern had a special affinity or special love special love for pastors. His dad was a pastor, and so Mr. Kern wanted this movement to focus primarily on pastors because why? Because pastors, according to Ephesians four, have been called to equip the saints. And we also believe that the church is the hope of the world. Amen. So when we think about, in terms of strategically, God has called the church to be salt and light in the world. And so whose responsibility is it to train congregants to be salt and light in the world? The pastor. So our particular niche. There's many, many faith and work movements or organizations out there, but you will you you will not find one that focuses primarily on the pastor, and that's our niche.
0: All right, today we're talking with Luke Bobo. He is involved in an organization called Made to Flourish. You can find him online at madetoflourish.org. He's the Director of Resource and Curriculum Development for Made to Flourish. And Made to Flourish, as Luke just told us a minute ago, is an organization involved in in the faith and work movement, specifically designed to the needs of pastors. Well, Luke, I think it's important for us to, I mean, a lot of our listeners are going, okay, Jim, I hear Jim every day. And and he's talking about made to flourish. Or he's talking, well, I do talk about made to flourish a lot, but he's talking about the faith and work movement. But when I go to church, I don't hear anything that's connecting what I'm doing during the week with what I'm hearing on Sunday. Why is made to flourish so important in helping rectify that situation?
1: Well, um, I think you answered the question uh, in 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 the question, and that is. Um, Too many uh, congregants don't see a connection between worship and Monday, and that has given rise to the secular-spiritual divide. And many congregants see the pastor as the only one in full-time ministry, and therefore they see what they do Monday through Friday as something that does not matter to God. And we contend that God uses us in the workplace in, in several ways. One... We like to say it this way, um, the gospel must be seen first before it's heard. And one way our non-believing co-workers can see the gospel is how we do uh, excellent work. We also like to say that the workplace is like a discipleship laboratory. It's, cause one, let's face it, if we're spending a good portion of our time at the workplace, God is using that workplace to form us more into the Im- image of Christ.
0: So how do our? what do you think is the best approach for getting our listeners to get their pastor to check out Made to Flourish? I mean, I know in Tampa Bay, we did a, did a get-together. I invited every pastor that I personally knew to a little luncheon that was put on by Made to Flourish, and we, we brought some food in and made it quick, and we introduced them to the whole idea. And somebody from one of the local coordinators here in Tampa Bay uh, came over and, and talked to them. How can our listeners get them to click on madetoflourish.org?
1: Well, that's a great question, and I know many, many, many pastors, and uh, the last thing they're looking for is one more thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And because these guys and and ladies are quite busy, um, I would begin with with prayer, of course, and I would pray for an opportunity, if I can, to take my pastor out for lunch or for coffee, make it, uh, a situation where it's disarming, and uh, maybe hand the pastor uh, a flyer or um, information about our website, or perhaps um, a copy of the, of the book, Discipleship with Monday in Mind. It's, I think it's quite affordable. Uh, so those are a, a few ways to introduce one's pastor to our network
0: and i what i have found is when pastors get involved in the conversation when they start to to talk through it without you know that it does no good to to you know to blame your pastor and say hey you're not doing this i mean it, that just shuts a pastor right down that our That's pastors right. need to see that we're coming to them in love and understand that a, a lot of times people when they've been a, when they have approached pastors in the past with with Let's just say a program. Well, a pastors not looking for another program. They're already overwhelmed. These guys are. Many of them work way too many hours a week. They they already put their marriages and their families in danger because of all the hours they work. But to to approach a pastor, this isn't a program, Pastor. I'm not. I'm right. not asking you. And and that's why I you know I like your book Discipleship of Monday of Mine, coupled together with Tom Nelson's book Work Matters. Because that Work Matters really opens up the, the whole conversation to pastors, I, I think, and helps them understand it from, from, a, 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 from somebody in the congregation's perspective. I, I love the two of them partnered together. I, I think they're a good piece. But when a pastor starts to understand that this Faith and Work Movement is not another program, when they start to understand that this is really about equipping the saints to explode the ministry of the local church, how does that start to impact that church?
1: Oh, greatly. Let me just go backwards and suggest another thing your listeners could do. Um, you can invite your pastor to your workplace, and i found we found that when a pastor visits a congregant's workplace, in many cases that congregant is giddy and very excited. So that's 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 a backdoor way we, we might say to introduce. Your pastor to this whole faith and work, uh, right?
0: No and you mentioned you mentioned that in your book, and you have got testimonies in the book of people who, uh, when pastors went out. I mean, it really is eye-opening. I mean that that's an inc- it's an incredible eye-opener for pastors. Hey, we're talking today with Luke Bobo from the Made to Flourish organization. We're talking about Made to Flourish, and we're about ready to start talking about his great book, his fantastic, excellent book called Discipleship with Monday in Mind. And we're going to give away a copy of that right after the bottom of the half hour. But right now, I just want to make sure you knew who we're talking to. So, Luke, when, how does it start to impact the church?
1: Well, um, in several ways. Uh, one, let's just, uh, let's just imagine together. Imagine being at worship, and the pastor before his sermon invites an educator to the front of the auditorium. And the pastor interviews that educator and asks him or her a series of questions, like, how does your work image God? Or how does your, where, where do you see evidence of the fall in your work? Let me pray for you, but let me pray for all educators in the audience. So please, all educators, please stand to your feet. Now, just think about or imagine that scene. When educators or anyone in any particular field see a pastor taking time to interview someone then to pray for all the people in that particular vocation occupation just imagine the affirmation one might feel that oh, would be, give that would give someone a new pep in their step come monday morning it'd be and we have found we have found we have found that visitors have come visitors when they witness such things will come before the pastor and I, I believe we talk about this in the book they come before the pastor and say I've never seen anything like that before
0: and I have I've heard it a few times never seen it but I've heard it and it's remarkable it, it brings tears to my eyes when I start to think these people the people in the congregation people attending all of a sudden have you know instead of being a second class citizen of the kingdom being second class under pastors and missionaries now all of a sudden they see their calling to their workplace no matter what it is as a high calling you know That's right. and 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 it's it's just unbelievable i mean it's just unbelievable now i think one of the things that i have heard from a lot of pastors is that most of them never were trained that their job was equipping the saints for their mission field that this idea of connecting faith and work is really a fairly new idea
1: well actually it's it's, a, it's really an old new idea when you think about the work that Martin Luther did years ago years five hundred
0: years ago yeah,
1: yeah he was one of the first to uh, talk about the priesthood of all believers, which implies just just because a monk or a nun or have sequestered themselves away doesn't necessarily mean that they have the most, most important job in the world. But because of First Peter, when, Paul, when Peter talks about we're, we are a royal priesthood, that means our jobs have significance. That means that they are spiritual and not secular in, in nature. As a good uh, friend of mine would often say, uh, for the Christian, There's no such thing as a secular moment. And so if we take that type of idea into the workplace, that brings prominence, that brings importance, that brings significance to the work that I do.
0: You know, Martha just texted me and reminded me that when we were on vacation in Knoxville, we attended a church, and it was the week before school started, and that pastor brought every educator, anybody connected with the education process up to the front and laid hands on them, had all the deacons and elders lay hands on them behind them, the pastor in front. I'd forgotten about that. So I, it That was incredible to see that. When you look at, uh, I've seen, I don't know about you, Luke, but I have seen um, seminaries and Bible schools starting to adopt this message, understanding that it's not a not a program, that it's that it really is what Martin Luther was, what the Reformation was all about. Which, by the way, there's a brand new book out on Martin Luther's life, on he and his wife, and, and their marriage and their life together. I don't know if you knew that. It, it's we're actually highlighting it next week on the air. That there's I a did new book. Not. Yeah, it, it's it, it's fascinating. I can't. I'm kind of bummed. I only have one copy, and I'm supposed to give it away. But it's called Katrina and Martin Luther, and it's the radical marriage of a runaway nun and a renegade monk. They married. <laughs> they married. They married each other to keep from. Um, well, I think it was initially to keep from getting killed, because they both they anyway. It's an. I'm like that's it's a little off track. But Martin Luther saw what we see today in the faith and work movement. He saw that hey. Every job is important. It, the scriptures clearly talk about this stuff, that every job is important. As, right. I read, right. as I read your book, I was encouraged by all those transparent stories of pastors and member who, members whose lives were transformed when a pastor understood that everyone who attends on Sunday is a missionary on Monday. What's the most memorable story from a pastor that, you, that you've heard?
1: Well, um, can I give two? Sure he can. Okay, so the first story is just imagine uh, a blue-collar worker uh, who stands on his feet eight hours a day. Uh, He has a 30-minute lunch break, but he's cutting dog food labels eight hours a day, and he's taking those labels and placing them on, on a can. Now, just imagine how mundane how monotonous a job like that would be. Because of his pastor's teaching on faith and work integration, etc., this young man who stands on his feet eight hours a day with only a 30-minute lunch break sees how he is now cooperating with God in this mundane, monotonous job. He says, I am a co-creator with God. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's a win. That's a, that's, that's a point, that's a place to celebrate. So that's one story. Here's the second story, and this one really excites me. So we hear the name Chicago, the city Chicago, and we think high crime rate, um, this or that, and that's, that's true. So a pastor there in Chicago uh, has a church uh, in a neighborhood, that has double digit unemployment. Mm. So he took, his, he took what used to be a pool hall, a place where prostitutes would come on a frequent basis. He transformed that into a church. And then, uh, as the church was up and running, he uh, noticed uh, men, drug pushers, and gangbangers would uh, frequent his church. Asking for money, so instead of instead of giving uh, these folks money, he said, oh, "What about working for us?" So he took these gangbangers and drug pushers and put a hammer in their hands, and they did small construction jobs around the church. Eventually, he had to convert this this idea to a nonprofit, uh, just to separate church from the nonprofit, and so. This church now is known for, oh, that's the church that that gave me a job. Now he has former drug pushers and gangbangers who are now coming to his church on Sunday mornings. One, he talks about, the pastor talks about, this former drug pusher is now attending church with his family, and oh, by the way, this drug pusher has become a believer. Mm. And... You see, we were made to work. And just, just imagine, uh, there's, there's a great film that came out. It, it probably wasn't seen by many people, called Chirac uh, by Spike Lee. And in the film, Spike Lee uses this phrase, underground economies. When people are denied the privilege to work, they resort to underground economies. They find any way to make money, drug-pushing uh, prostitution are ways to make money. That's part of the underground economy. But what what would happen if churches were advocates for finding men and women who have the capacity and capability and skills to do work? It would, it would restore that dignity back to them, because we're all made in God's image, and there's dignity in work. So that's one of my favorite stories. I've used that that story in many, many sermons um, since I've heard it.
0: And, and as I think about that, one of the biggest battles for any pastor in that situation is allowing sinners to come through the front door. I mean, th- <laughs> I mean, because you're talking, you're going to let drug, as you said, as you said it, drug pushers, uh, gangbangers, prostitutes come through the front doors. Most pastors would be freaked out. What do I do with these people? And what an incredible guy. I'd love to do a show. you got to get me connected to that guy. I'd love to do a show on that guy's ministry. That would be awesome. Because I'd be because happy we, to. We've got neighborhoods like that all over the country. And we've got in those neighborhoods all over the country where there's those kinds of issues, we've got people who love Jesus. And they're looking for ideas. And I want to share that story and the details of it, so people can be inspired to go, "Hey, maybe I could do that." Because right. in those areas where poverty is so high, buying a building like a pool hall, not much money comparatively speaking nope. to a pl- because because nobody wants to buy a property there.
1: Exactly. I mean, exactly right. <laughs> so now, to your, to your point about uh, pastors being uncomfortable with prostitutes and gangbangers. One that simply needs to think about his or her life before they accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. We, your listeners may may or may may not have done anything as as egregious as a gangbanger or a drug pusher, but we all have done horrific things, and and that's why I would often tell my students we have we're no no we're in no position to condemn someone or judge yeah. someone because. By the grace of God, so goes, but by the grace of God, so go me. And I would imagine that relates to all your listeners.
0: Well, and every one of us, including you and I, if we were, walk, if, if we were in a church that's a very typical church, and all of a sudden uh, gangbangers, drug pushers, and prostitutes started walking through the doors, we would all be freaked out. Because it's just not something we're used to. Yet it is. Jesus doesn't rank sin. It doesn't say, "Hey, these sins are worse than other sins." That's a homemade man thing. But all of us would need to do an attitude adjustment. But we digress a little bit. I really want to talk about when somebody starts reading this book, discipleship with Monday in mind. First of all, people can get this book right now electronically, can't they?
1: That's right. You can download it as a. You can get it as a PDF, load it to your Kindle, or you can buy the hard copy version. As well uh, from Amazon.
0: Okay, so it's on Amazon dot com. Discipleship with Monday in Mind. All right, so when a when a pastor starts to do his job differently, and he, and he starts to disciples people, sorry, he starts to disciple people with this book, Discipleship with Monday in Mind. How does his what's his job look like differently? What, what, how is it, I'm having a hard time getting this question on. How does it look differently? I'm struggling, Luke. Help me out here.
1: Well, uh, that's a great question, and let me answer it this way. Um, a pastor said this. He said after a while, he realized that he was, he was training his congregants to be followers of him. He was not training them to be leaders in their respective workplaces. So when a pastor sees his vision for faith and work integration, he will begin training his people for the workplace by helping them become leaders in their respective workplaces. Mm. And now there's, there's a consequence. If, if I do my work really, really well, I may or may not have the bandwidth to do a lot of church activities If I do my work well, that may allow me to concentrate on a particular ministry at church. But if I want my congregants to do well on their jobs, then I may have to, it may have to be a give and take. You understand what I'm saying?
0: I understand what you're saying, but that's the beauty of it. A church, if a church is equipping its members to recognize that each one of them has a high calling, that each one of us has a high calling, that God has given us a unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities. And if a church is busy equipping those people not to be followers of the pastor, but to be leaders of influence wherever they are, whatever their workplace looks like, because some some people's workplaces is in the home. As a mom or a dad that's a stay-at-home mom or dad, probably the most powerful workplace that's out there, certainly the most, the most influential. When we look at that, and all of a sudden the church starts to do that, Programs aren't as necessary if we are discipling people to be leaders in their faith, to take their faith exactly. and put that's, it into action. It. You don't need, you that's don't need,
1: yeah. You you said it, that's it. That's
0: All right, exactly so, it. and and again, I want people to know, we're talking about, we're talking today with Luke Bobo from the Made to Flourish movement. This is a movement designed for your pastor, for my pastor, to help understand the faith and work movement and the and the whole idea that God created in the garden for you and me to be cultivating the earth. We need to all understand that everything we see above the ground today used to be below the ground. And that God put it there for us to find it and to utilize it and to put it into action. All of you sitting out there with a cell phone that are listening today, all of the stuff that's made that your cell phone's made of, it came from in the ground. And God put it there. At the same time, he built the Garden of Eden, and we had to cultivate it and grow it. And out came a cell phone, something like that. (laughs) But a lot of us don't even think about that stuff, that at the time the garden was built, all of the stuff that we need today was there. We just had to figure out how to get it out of the earth, including all the different pieces that we use to make our cell phone. And I am very fond of my iPhone. (laughs) And there's another free plug. Okay, so... You said in your book, this is probably the most powerful statement you said in your book, and we're talking about Luke Bobo's book that he wrote along with Sky Jathani. Am I saying his name right, by the way?
1: That's that's correct.
0: All right. Discipleship with Monday in mind. Here's what you said. To pastors, you, you said this to pastors, quit trying to be the best church in the city that competes with other churches. Oh, boy. And you ticked people off when you said that. And be the best church in the city. Seek to be the kind of church that If we were to shut the doors, the city would mourn. That, that would transform our country if every church lived with that in mind.
1: That's right. In fact, that came from a pastor, I believe in Seattle. He actually said those words. Yes.
0: I I read that quote, and I want to say it again because it is, if the church of jesus christ in this country and around the world would operate like this our our world would be upside down and it would be it would be unbelievable quit trying to be the best church in the city that competes with other churches and be the best church for that city seek to be the kind of church that if the church were to close the city would mourn how does this i mean when pastors hear that do they understand what that means
1: Well, um, I can't speak for all pastors, but I do know of a pastor in St. Louis. He understands this because uh, he has built low-income housing for the elderly around his church. And he also wants to buy uh, buildings that have been vacated and start um, giving entrepreneurs a chance to launch their own businesses. And that's the E in economic, and that's the E in faith work economics. What would it look like if churches helped aspiring entrepreneurs launch their own businesses? Mm. And thereby, then, those in those neighborhoods who have unreliable transportation don't have to worry about commuting to a place outside of their neighborhood. They can invest time and effort and skills. In their own community. Uh, but it, it just makes sense. And, and so we, we talk about this pyramid or a triangle at Made to Flourish. Uh, in the middle, we talk about four areas we want pastors to integrate this theology corporate worship, discipleship, and outreach. I'm sorry, corporate worship, uh, discipleship, outreach and missions. And I uh, forget the the fourth one, but uh, as pastors think about outreach missions, this is a clear way the church can be light and salt in his or her respective neighborhood or or city.
0: And and it's it's a lot of these are new ideas, but they're ideas that can be adopted and the church can be adapted to your local church. You know, you make one other comment in the book that it just was, you you said that some pastors have gotten into the habit of occasionally interviewing people on the stage, believers and their faith and work testimony, letting people actually share how the Lord is using them in their workplace. How impactful is that in a congregation? Does your church do that?
1: Uh, It does not, but i am gently twisting my pastor's arm in fact (laughs) my pastor has asked me uh, he wants to start a sermon series on faith and work so he has asked for my input and i've given him a copy of this book as well but yes i alluded to this earlier just again just imagine many people in the pews think that the pastor standing in front of them is the only one in full-time ministry and because of that Only his job really matters to God. But when I take time in worship to interview someone, a janitor, a nurse, a doctor, an educator, that communicates to that person being interviewed, but also to the congregation, that my work really does matter to God. And can you imagine Monday morning will look totally different? It's it's not the Monday blues, but I'm excited to get back to work, to cooperate with God, to further his kingdom.
0: We talk about that all the time. Thank God it's Monday, not thank God it's Friday. Make the Monday switch. Go to worklife.org. All right, listen, Luke Bobo, we've run out of time. I really wanted to get into that millennial conversation of how you're helping churches reach out to millennials. We're going to have to do that in a future interview, if you're willing.
1: Absolutely. In fact, we're thinking about another ebook on that topic.
0: Oh, that would be a phenomenal. Let me know when that comes out. Luke Bobo with Made to Flourish. Thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you, Jim. Make sure you check out Luke Bobo on Made to Flourish, madetoflourish.org. Get a copy of his book, Discipleship with Monday in Mind. Wow, it's going to just transform your mind. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.